Welcome in to another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard. Today's episode brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. We've got a lot of football stuff to get to today. Andre Sisco not getting some love from a major national media member. And also, Tim, Mr. Patriots fan, we got to talk about a quarterback that uh, may be joining yeah. your team. Not the one that you think, though. So we'll get to that later on yeah. in a football recruiting update. But we begin today's show on the basketball front because there was an article put out by Inside the Loud House, one of the, the Syracuse Orange football and basketball blogs. And they put out a post talking about how Syracuse is in a good spot to be the number one recruiting class for the class of 2022, the class that everyone likes to talk about. But I don't mean to rain on the parade here, Tim, and obviously the Orange off to a good start with already landing Dior Johnson. They're number one right now. They are number one right now, but I see 0% chance that (laughs) this team has the number one overall recruiting class when it's all said and done. And let me lay out... A couple of reasons why here. First of all, it's not the worst thing in the world to not be number one. Okay, it, no. it's again, <laughs> especially in a system like Syracuse's where you oftentimes recruit to your system as well. It, it's not going to be the end of the world if this team's not number one. And for people that are going to think that the the ranking system and, and there are a bunch of haters against the Orange and Bayheim, that's not the case. It's just that Syracuse probably isn't going to be number one. Let me just kind of lay out to you what it takes to be the number one overall class in the one-and-done era. So I kind of pin the one-and-done era as starting around 2013. Yeah. Since that time, it takes, this is just the sheer number of volume of recruits, it takes 6.25 recruits per class. And of those 6.25, Three and a half have been five-star guys. All right, so let's round those numbers down just for the sake of this argument. Syracuse isn't going to have space for six guys. Like, when you look at the roster right now, there's eight guys on the current roster that's set to suit up for 2020. And eight and nine, if you include Alan Griffin, maybe not getting a waiver this year. So there's eight to nine guys on the current roster that can be there in 2022. Maybe one will go pro, but I highly doubt Syracuse is sending anyone pro. Maybe one, but during that time span, probably not. Then on top of that, you have to incorporate Benny Williams and whoever else they may land in the class of 2021. So now you're looking at nine to 10 guys, and of course transfers and stuff like that can happen, but nine to 10 guys, you're only gonna end up with three maybe four guys to fill out that class of 2022. And let's be honest, there's probably going to be a spot or two reserved for someone who may stumble along in the transfer portal as a grad transfer or as a one-time transfer right away. Yeah, maybe on the transfer thing. I mean, it's not, they're not going to have the number one class in the country. I, I'm with you 100% for all the reasons you laid out. Just look at their last three classes that have been all right. I, I don't know if I've really been too excited i've been excited about some of the prospects that they've had and some of the ratings 
have not, I mean, Syracuse doesn't always get the benefit of the doubt in the ratings as is. And then also when you add a guy like Dolajai or a Garrier or a Brissette that is not playing in America, then it might actually, like Brissette, I think we all can agree was a top 100 great land. But no doubt. Mm-hmm. He, he He's not going to get that love on a 24-7 even, especially not on an ESPN if you're going off of them. But just looking at the 24-7 rankings, they've had now three straight classes in the 33-43 to 43 rank team rankings-wise. So to think that, okay, in a couple years they're just going to jump to number one, if even if it's top five, I mean, they have not been top five since the Dion Waiters class that had, I think it was the Waiters class. If not, I mean, right around 2011, 2012 has to be the last top five Syracuse class. And I do think there's an outside shot that they get into the top five range. The other thing we have to keep in mind here. I think they're here, in a good spot to be a top 10 recruiting yeah, class. Yeah, which is awesome. And I think if they're not a top 10 recruiting class, then maybe you're warranted to have a little bit of frustration. But again, I think you give the coaching staff the benefit of the doubt because of the way that a lot of these players have overperformed in the past, too. Yeah, and I get cautious because, you know, I do feel like, as we've talked about, we're talking about 2022 a little bit too much. Maybe it's just the nature of not really knowing when the next basketball game is, not having other sports to focus on. That has been a big talking point. And Syracuse in the national landscape is definitely getting talked about for this 2022 class because they have Dior Johnson, and a lot of people know Dior Johnson. But you have to keep in mind, I think Tyler and I, you, we both agree, like, Dior might not come to Syracuse, and then he's off the books in terms of your ratings, and while we agree that whether or not he comes, he's going to add some other players probably, and it definitely helps you. And it definitely makes he already 2022. Has. I mean, yeah. it seems like, and not saying he's the only reason Benny Williams came to Syracuse, but he's a guy who, by everything we've seen, he pushed Benny Williams to come to Syracuse. Right. And, you know, I was watching this interview that Roddy Gale did, and I forget who it was with, so I apologize for not kind of crediting them, but I saw it surface on Twitter. And Roddy Gale, obviously a big 2022 prospect for Syracuse in that class at the guard position, had a couple good things to say about Syracuse that made me a little bit more optimistic. Now, obviously, he doesn't have a timetable, or it's not like he's... It's 2022, so I'm not saying... Yeah, he doesn't need a rush or anything. Right, this isn't something that should be on people's radar, like, in the near future, but he brought up how, when he was asked about Syracuse, how Johnny Flynn was kind of from the same area as him in Niagara Falls, and he's always looked up to him, would be cool to follow in his footsteps... And then he also was asked about his relationship with Dior, and he basically started out and was positive and said, yeah, Dior and I talk a lot, and we used to text a lot. And then he said, we haven't really talked recently. So who knows what to glean from that information. But my point here is, this is the makings of a really good class, but in order to be top five, number one, Duke, Kentucky level, as you laid out just in the sheer volume of players, that's just not, that's not really in Syracuse's peripheral, given where the program is at right now. And that's fine. In order to get back to that status, you have to start by getting a really great class in 2022 that's a top 10 class. If I had to pick, I'd say this is going to be a top 10 class, which, holy cow, like just saying that is 
we should stop and just smell the roses a little bit because right, when's exactly. the last time that we... Your eyes light up. Yeah, I mean, if you would have told me last year that 2022, 2021, I would feel optimistic that one of those would be a top 10 class, I would have not believed you. So they're in a really good spot, but not to overreact. It's fun to think about. It's good to be talked about as maybe the number one. I just think that's that's where Duke and Kentucky will fall into. Right. It doesn't need to be number one for it to be a successful class. Again, it doesn't even need to be number one in the ACC for it to be a successful class for Jim Beheim. Again, it's going to be a good one, at least from everything we're seeing on the surface. It's shaping up to be a good thing. And when you look at just the sheer number of guys that Syracuse, it seems like there's mutual interest. That's a good sign for the Orange, whether it's the, the Roddy Gales or the Chance Westries or some of these other top 10, top 20 guys, Zion Cruz, J.J. Starling, Donovan Klingon. I mean, Donovan Klingon and J.J. Starling, those are guys who, sure, maybe they don't, they aren't the guys that are going to be the headliners of a number one class, but they're guys you want to add to your basketball team because they have potential to be very good players at the next level. And especially for a center-starved school like Syracuse is right now, now, I know that they've got the 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 bodies right now, but it it has felt like empty calories. Again, this is still a a school that's starved for a good all around polished offensive and defensive center, and that's something that Donovan Klingon could certainly bring to the table. All right, coming up next, some Syracuse football players not getting a lot of national love. We'll tell you what that's all about in just a little bit. But first, a special message from us here at the Locked On Podcast Network. The Locked On Podcast Network stands against racism and social injustice. That's why we, the hosts, are making personal donations to local and national organizations that are fighting for change. And in the month of June, Locked On is matching the total of all host donations up to an additional $10,000 to make your own donation along with with us, please visit lockedonpodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. Again, that's lockedonpodcast.com slash Black Lives Matter. If you've been listening to us for a while here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast, you know our favorite protein bar on the market is the one and only Built Bar. It's an amazing protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. So many flavors to choose from. My favorite, the peanut butter brownie. That one just blows me away every single time I take a bite into it. They're super soft and easy to chew, and the best part is is that they are super healthy for you. 20 grams of protein on that peanut butter brownie bar that I love so much, and just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. What better way to reward yourself after a workout than with a Built Bar? Go to BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your first order. Tim, before we get to this David Hale tweet, did you see what happened in, I guess, the quasi-Syracuse community? So Latavius Murray, oh, yeah, that's a awesome. Onondaga High School alum, he actually graduated from Syracuse uh, the other day. So that's really cool to see. Of course, he didn't end up playing for the Orange. He went all the way down south to UCF, but congratulations to one of Syracuse's own, Latavius Murray. You know how UCF claims that, what is it, 2017 National Championship? Now Syracuse <laughs> has to claim Latavius Murray as their quote-unquote NFL running back. Yeah, that, that'd be something. I I was That was pretty cool to see. It's one of those things where you don't really know that someone's doing that until they just say, I graduated, but... 
Yeah, let's claim Latavius Murray. He's always come to the basketball games and stuff, and he's a fun player to root for. So pretty cool for him to do that, and congrats to him. I was surprised to see he didn't do it at UCF, but that's all beside the point. All right, (laughs) let's get into David Hale. So David Hale from ESPN put out these tweets talking about his list for the All-ACC first and second team. And believe it or not, now let's before we get into this, and, and you call David Hale a Syracuse hater, David Hale probably gives the most national respect to Syracuse of any football writer. No doubt. And he's a Syracuse alum, so maybe he has that that slight bias. But anytime you see something Dino Babers on a national scale or there's always some interesting Syracuse stats that get thrown out there about how they stack up nationally, it usually comes from David Hale. And you don't see Adam Rittenberg give that sort of love to Syracuse. You don't see Nicole Auerbeck give that sort of love to Syracuse. You don't hear the solid verbal podcast guys give that sort of love to Syracuse. And to be honest, it's not necessarily warranted. I think David Hale just likes to dig up some stats from his his alma mater. But on this list, there is only one Syracuse player, Tim, and it is not Andre Sisko. It's actually Andre Schmidt landing on the second team of David Hale's All-ACC list. So no Andre Sisko, some of the other notable names that he he left off the list but he put he put an honorable mention category so Cisco's falls in that honorable mention category Fatou Melifanu falls in that honorable mention category as does Taj Harris but let's start with Cisco because this is a hill that you've really sat on for quite some time now you're a little <laughs> more skeptical than most are of Cisco's talents as a safety yeah so I don't it's it's a weird relationship I've had with Andre Cisco where I've kind of gone to a 180 a little bit now, but originally, I'd say in between freshman and sophomore year, I was of the camp that let's let's give sophomore year a, a clean look. Let's not jump the gun on this guy because the interception numbers were just phenomenal in his freshman year, right? And you'd watch back the tape and I did remember some poor tackling here or there in his freshman season, which he's a true freshman starting in the ACC. That's fine. And you'd watch back the tape of the interceptions, and a lot of them were right in his chest or just kind of right place, right time. And I was thinking, we'll see if there's a regression to the mean of sorts in that he might not get as many interceptions. But then his sophomore year, he goes out and gets a lot of interceptions again. What was the total number? Is it five in his sophomore year, right? Five in a sophomore year, right. And that's in less games because he played injured. So to me... Right, only played nine games versus the 13 he played in his freshman season. Yeah, so to me, he's a ball hawk. Like, we can definitively say that now, that those interception numbers, if you do it in back-to-back seasons, like, there's something to be said about right. that. Right, I... The 12 interceptions is no coincidence, okay? No, and it's not like no. he had nine in one season and then three the next season. Seven to five, especially when the five is in really uh, three quarters of the games that he played from the season before. I mean, he's a ball hawk. He can intercept the ball. This is something that it's a talent of his, okay? It's not a coincidence. Absolutely. So if you would have asked me going into his sophomore season if he was overrated, I would have definitely told you yes. Now, overrated in the sense that he was an All-American as a freshman, and I thought when you think about what a national writer is looking at, 
they're probably just going to take the interception numbers, and they probably didn't really view Cisco that much because he plays in Syracuse, and although that season Syracuse is pretty noteworthy, I don't know. It's like if you're looking at who to put on your ballot, you look at the interception numbers, and Cisco's going to get a little bit of a nudge to the top, I'd say. So I was always a little bit skeptical of his tackling and sort of his ability to, like, just make sure that as a safety, players don't get behind you. And he has allowed a lot of big plays, and that's kind of what David Hale talked about in his sort of reasoning for leaving him off the list, which we can get to. But I'm definitely more of the camp now that, and also with the NFL buzz he's getting, it's hard to really be on that hill firmly after what I saw interception-wise in a sophomore year. He kind of silenced me in a way that proved that those numbers his freshman year weren't exactly a fluke either. Now, who knows? I mean, I don't. I think he's slightly overrated right now. And I think the reason why I say that is because they're calling him one of the two best safeties in the country a lot of places. I've seen him make too many bad plays, I'd say, to be considered one of the two best safeties in the country. But he's also made a ton of interceptions, so you got to give him credit for that. Right, and you know, Tim, I'm one of those people who's always kind of given you a little bit of pushback on the Cisco camp that I I really do think he is one of the elites, but you bring up those big plays and you look at some of these stats that David Hale put out and they're not great. And listen, we're kind of nitpicking here because there's no doubt that Andre Cisco is the best defensive player on the Syracuse team. But just take a look at the explosive plays category. Amongst returning ACC safeties, he is eighth in plays that result in 20 plus yards or a touchdown when targeted. He's allowed seven touchdowns on 38 targets. Just for a little bit of context there, if you want to put Andre Cisco and consider him amongst the elite, well then it's fair to say he's a top four guy, correct? Yeah, yep. So... The top four returning safeties, they've allowed three total on 121 targets. So Andre Sisko, in about a, a quarter of the targets, has allowed more than double the touchdowns. And amongst the eight top returning guys, they've combined allowed seven. So that matches it. So when you look at that and you see the big plays and... Um, the Some of the other, I mean, 10.6 yards per target as well. Those are big plays. Those are burning the Syracuse secondary. And I think that when you look at a guy like Cisco, he's going to have to show NFL scouts that he can not let guys get behind him and not play over the top and maybe show that he's not a guy that just gambles for a lot of his interceptions and it pays off a good amount of the time for him. But he's going to have to show that that's one of his things that he's improved upon from year to year. And sure, the, the tackling numbers are something that we've become utterly aware of. I think the, the tackling numbers were obviously way better a season ago, but when you look at something that he needs to improve on, this is something that might open some scouts' eyes if they haven't already been privy to it. Yeah, it's it's tough because we're evaluating him like with strict guidelines in a way. And I'm it's not like I'm looking for him to fail, but when I'm when I have suspicions and then I see it happen in a game, I notice it. Whereas maybe Trill Williams misses a tackle and I don't even remember that Trill Williams missed the tackle. Like Antoine Cordy missed plenty of tackles this year. That big one in the Clemson game stands out and people get on him for that too. But Cisco is a really good football player. I just don't know if 
given his tackling, that you can say he's an all-American safety. And look, he was not supposed to be. Like, he came to Syracuse as a middle-of-the-road, slightly right. above, yeah. three-star recruit. no doubt. Yeah, and, and I don't want people to get the wrong idea that I just am like an Andre Sisco hater or anything. I... I've definitely given him more of the benefit of the doubt after what he did interceptions wise this year. And you, you can't ignore the interceptions. Like to a certain extent, no. that is, it's the biggest stat a safety could give you. I mean, that's yeah. Like we said, it, the, the 12 is not by coincidence, right? 12 is a big number, especially when the number is relatively consistent year to year. Yeah. And also he's in a bad situation where the defense was terrible this past year and a lot of times he's in the open field having to make more tackles than maybe Nasraldine had to make at Florida State or another one of these safeties he's being compared to with those stats so I think he proved me wrong on the interception front last year he probably has a little bit of work to do on the tackling from like an NFL first round standpoint not from a is he a really good ACC safety he's already proven that and I'm Really happy that he's on Syracuse's team, no doubt, and I think we all can agree on that. But the tackling numbers, if you look into it a little bit, they're a little bit concerning at times for the level that he is sort of being mentioned among in the All-American status. Two quick things before we get to recruiting. So David Hale also puts a disclaimer in there. Listen, there are a ton of great defensive backs in the ACC, and he knows he's a playmaker, and he knows that he wants to like Cisco, but it's tough to ignore some of these numbers. And again, we've only scratched the surface of some of these. There's a lot more, and we can probably get into them throughout the summer in areas time. that he needs to improve. Yeah, we've got, we've got a whole summer ahead of us here, Tim. One more guy that he put out some statistics for, some advanced numbers on, were Afatu Melifonwu. And to me, let, let me just go through some of them. So amongst all the returning ACC cornerbacks, he had the second highest pass breakup rate at almost 22% of passes he was breaking up. Then you look at some of the other numbers, though. He is middle of the pack in most of the other things, which isn't bad. Again, there's two cornerbacks on every team that start, and Fatu Melifanu was in the middle of the pack of the top 13 of the guys that David Hale was listing out. So... He was middle of the pack in most of them. The one stat I will say that was a little concerning was he had the sixth most yards allowed despite being the only one with single-digit games. You'd figure that someone who plays significantly fewer games than the others would be way, way down or way near the top of that ranking. Um, But everything else, he's middle of the pack. And to me, what that says is that when you've got such a high pass breakup rate and such middling other stats in that capacity he's someone who uses his body to his advantage and sometimes it'll burn him he's got the length we know he's got the length and the pass breakup skills I mean I always point back to that UNC game when they made the big comeback that was a game where sure Tommy DeVito was great but Fatu Malafano did just as much if not more on the defensive end of that ball and then one other thing to point out there, he only allowed one touchdown last year. And, and actually, Trill Williams, who's also on this list, he allowed zero. So your two starting cornerbacks allowed a combined one touchdown a season ago. Yeah, I mean, the secondary is as good as it's been in a while. And it's honestly one of the strengths of this team whenever they do play the games. And then on top of that, 
I love the talent that's coming in right on the heels of when Cisco will probably leave after this season, and a guy like Neil Nunn that'll get some extra minutes probably when Cisco leaves, and even Coley. I really like what they have going on in the defensive backs group. So it's good to see that some of those guys like Melifonwo and Trill Williams, who we both really like, rated pretty highly on some of those stats. All right, coming up next, some major, major news out of the 2021 football recruiting cycle. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, I got to tell you about rockauto.com. So many different ways to fix your car these days and so many different parts that you need to fix your car these days when you think about the makes, the models, and then all the other mumbo-jumbo that you go through when you go to a chain storefront. Well, guess what? That's where rockauto.com comes in. This site is amazing because not only does it make shopping for car parts easy, you save a ton of money while doing it as well. Why spend 30%, 50%, or even sometimes twice as much at a chain storefront when you can just go to rockauto.com and have them slash that price for you. Rockauto.com is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years now. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, whether you need something for your engine, something for your brakes, any of your lights are out, motor oil, maybe you even need a new carpet. They've got all of that for you at rockauto.com. Take a look at their expansive inventory at a fraction of the price and be sure that when you make your purchase at rockauto.com, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Again, go to rockauto.com and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So Tim, you, Mr. Patriots fan, may have a new quarterback for one of your teams you're rooting for. Yes, we know the news of Cam Newton, but also we got a good signal for Justin Lampson over the weekend. Crystal Ball came in for Syracuse, and it's not from one of the slouches that that can post on (laughs) 24-7. And just submit a random crystal ball to whatever prospect he wants. No, it's it's from someone who's done a pretty good job, especially on the Syracuse front, in predicting crystal balls. And that's Steve Wiltfong, who usually seems pretty tapped in to what's going on across the nation. So he's a national recruiting analyst. And he threw out a Syracuse crystal ball for Lampson. And not only that, but it also kind of lines up with what we've seen in the past with Syracuse in terms of from an announcement standpoint. They don't want something to get buried over the weekend. They kind of want to start the week off fresh. I can't remember who said that. I think it was Hayden Nelson told us that when we were talking with him. They want the news to come out fresh to start the week. So we know Lampson, he says he's going to make his announcement Friday, but he probably knows where he's going to school in 2021. Yeah, he kind of said that too when he spoke to 24-7 Sports and basically said, I don't have a leader. This was last week, but I think I'm going to make my decision and then sit on it a little bit. Well, that to me, I mean, between Will Fong's crystal ball, which that guy has... I can't remember a time that he was wrong Syracuse-wise, and that makes me maybe overly excited, but, I mean, I think we should all be. That is a great sign to get that crystal ball. So when that came in, it kind of fits the timetable of what Lampson laid out in that, hey, I made up my mind, and now I'll probably, like, it'll probably get out there, but I'm going to wait, wait it out and then announce it on Friday. And we've talked about it, Ty, but this is, 
legit a top 20 quarterback in this class. It's probably maybe going to be a borderline four star by the time he gets his official announcement out there and people get to evaluate him a little bit more. And he's dual threat. And a whole season still to play too. Yeah, like I, I love this. And this is the signature ad, if he comes, of the class so far because it's what we've been waiting for. It's that quarterback early on in the cycle and it's also a pretty darn good one at that. Right. I'm really looking forward to hopefully seeing him play for the Orange. It looks pretty good right now. Again, nothing official yet, but all signals pointing Syracuse's way. Another guy making some noise on the Syracuse football recruiting front. Jason Henderson, he's got Syracuse in his top seven, a linebacker, and some of the other schools that he's listing alongside Syracuse, some of the usual suspects that we see, Buffalo, Temple, Florida Atlantic, Old Dominion, and then of the FCS ranks, James Madison and Villanova. Yeah, it's it almost hurts a little bit to say some of the usual suspects there because, I don't know, I feel like this is, seeing his list, It's again, this is a player that probably would have gone to a camp, probably would have really shined, and has some of the better tape that we've seen. A lot of people are really excited about Jason Henderson, and you look at his seems ratings. like the staff is really excited. Yeah, too. they they have been on him for a while, and he's a top priority guy. So don't get caught up too much in his offers. I'd say in his ratings because they'll lend you to believe that this is one of the weaker additions of the class. When in reality, I would bet that if Dino Babers, if we could put some truth serum on his responses and you asked him like who's right up there with some of your biggest additions because obviously he doesn't want to rank them but he would say Henderson would be one of the guys that he's been after a while and the whole staff has been after so those schools that are in the mix there I feel confident that Syracuse stands out amongst those and I feel like given that he's already visited and there's been a lot of I know he talked to Dino recently I feel pretty good about where that one's trending as well and that's a player that, at the linebacker position, could be... I mean, he's a great tackler from his tape. So a very exciting prospect, despite the offer sheet being a little bit less than maybe you'd want from a Syracuse commit. you got to keep in mind that these are different times. So the Orange, his only Power 5 offer. One thing I think that's worth noting is that this would be the fourth outside linebacker, depending on what you call Derek McDonald. If you yeah. do classify him as that outside linebacker type, if you do, he would be the fourth outside linebacker that would commit to the Orange in this class of 2021, which I find a little interesting because there are no true seniors, no departing players in the linebacking core this season. Everyone that's a linebacker this year is coming back. Now, also worth noting, they have lost two linebackers to the transfer portal in Kadeem Trotter and Juan Wallace, but they're a very young group and very young and very promising group at that as well. I mean, you think of Lee Koba, Michael Jones, Jeff Canton, yeah. three really young guys who are looking to make a, a big impact in their sophomore seasons. And the average age of that linebacking group is a sophomore. So when you compare all of that together... These guys, they're probably not going to see the field for a couple years. They're going to learn behind some of these other players because the linebacking core seems like something that can become a strength in this new 3-3-5 defense, especially when you've got Tony White who's recruiting to that specific system. Yeah, I'm excited about the direction that the linebackers is going. And 
I'm excited about the fact that Henderson, I saw that he told 24-7 Sports that he's looking at a decision by the end of July, if not earlier. So I think we'll hear something in the coming weeks, maybe tops three, four weeks on this kid, and I feel pretty good. Again, I don't want to just be that guy that gets everyone's hopes up, but the Justin Lampson news is like, about as good as you can get without getting a commitment, I'd say. Now, maybe you could get multiple crystal balls, but a crystal ball from Will Fawn makes me very, very happy to hear what he's going to say on Friday. And then Henderson, I feel like Syracuse is the top school right there, and it would make a lot of sense if he picked Cuse. All right, so that's going to do it for today's Monday episode of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into a little more recruiting, maybe talk a little Bayheim's Army as well as... They're getting closer and closer to tip off the entire tournament starting on Saturday. So that's going to be fun to look forward to over your holiday weekend. And we'll also do our recruiting rewind. We're going to look back at the class of 2017 for football. We did the basketball class already, so we will take a look on the gridiron. There were some gems. There were some overachievers. And I will say, Tim, there were some great transfers in that class as well. So we'll dive into all of that tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you tomorrow.